been a while. Welcome to another episode of Sports and Songs Podcast. We're your hosts, Dan and Andy. Today is January 9th, 2022. We're in season three, episode number nine. How are you? Good. Bison one, horns up. Horns up, so, Bison. Great, great game. They beat Montana yeah. State in the championship game in, uh, what do you call it? Fargo South. Fargo South, or Frisco, Texas is on their Frisco, it. Texas. Fargo South. Big turnout, and boy, those guys had that. They had the beer can snake going up there yeah. in stands. Tons but of tailgating before and after the game, I'm sure. Montana State fans were good and respectful. There was good banter between both sides of the whole game, so that was fun. Fun stuff. Very fun. fun stuff. So we'll cover that a little bit. We'll cover some pro football, NFL playoffs, college title game is tomorrow night for the uh, Division One. North Dakota State won the uh, – the FCS, FCS yes. the FCS title over Montana State Saturday. And we're all done with bowl games tomorrow, and we're done with the bowl season. It's going to be NFL after this, and we're uh, into the college basketball. Everything's on the conference game. Now we're done with the non-conference portion of the schedule. It's going to be good to go. Let's start off with the trivia question. Yes, go ahead, sir. What do you got? Trivia question is, Alabama plays Georgia tomorrow night in the title game. Title game. Both teams are 13 and 1. They come from the same conference. Alabama's won 13 national titles. Georgia only won 1980 with Herschel Walker in the backfield. 1980. Georgia, as good as they are, only one title ever. So it's going to be going Alabama looking for the 14th, Georgia looking for their second title. The question is how many national titles does the Golden Gophers have? Oh. I know there used to be a powerhouse back in the day. I'd have to think, though. I've asked uh, some people here at the studio as they thought the answer was zero. But uh, it's not zero. It's more not than zero. And, in fact, it's, uh, it's in the top ten career in the nation. They're a top ten team with most college football titles. So I picked that as a, as a, a lot of the younger audience may not know this, but uh, it's an interesting answer. We'll get to it later. All right. All right, it's all you. What have you got, college or high school? I, we're going to start college here. We're going to do it right. Oh, yes. We're going to start with the champs here. Bison won number nine yesterday. Uh, ninth out of 11. Side note on that, it's their ninth FCS title, but counting Division two. Overall total, they've won 17 national championships. So, so uh, more than the Alabama, but uh, yes, that is, more. and like we say, Andy, at any level yeah. of football, right. when you get to this level, uh, it's it's no small feat to win one title at all. And and that's why I want to talk about levels. You know, a lot of guys are saying, I, I was looking at buys and stuff beforehand. Uh, from 2015 to 2019, they did play some FBS games. They, they've beaten the Gophers, uh, Iowa State, uh, Kansas State, uh, someone else I'm going blank on it right now. Um, they did have, before COVID hit, they were supposed to do a home-and-home home with Oregon. That got scrapped. But next year, the Bison do play down at Arizona, the Wildcats. So they're back, hey. back to playing the big boys. But everybody goes, well, why don't the Bison just join the big leagues? 
Here we go. Main difference between FBS and FCS. It's how the annual winner is determined. Of course, FBS has their 14 playoffs. FCS has a 24-man tournament. Uh, the finances are a lot of it, too. As you can see there, Division I athletic programs generate $8.7 billion between the 2009-2010 uh, academic year. Um, the bowl football subdivision, 130 schools in 2017, 50 to 60% of those football and men's basketball programs generate positive revenues. It's all about the dollars for all this. Um, you hear these other little schools like Youngstown State, or uh, Youngstown State is still good, but um, Troy State, when they went Division One, they were a big fish in a little pond, and now they're you know fighting to be 500. Not saying that's why the Bison want to stay down there because they can keep winning and dominating. But do you want to recruit and go to a team that might win the national championship for Division Two or FCS? Or do you want to try to recruit for a team going, hey, we're going Division One. we're hoping for three wins this year. So recruiting is going to be tough when you make that change too. And also, this is the FBS. This is where all the big schools are located right now. Without being a geography major, we all got a good idea where Fargo is up there. Traveling and finances, where would you put them? What conference? There's already 14 teams in the Big Ten. You know, there's no one else really around them. So financially for them, the travel would be hard and reinventing the wheel on that. Um, you can maybe put them in at the Big 12 or maybe the Pac-12 Mountain West there maybe. I don't know where they play Wyoming and Colorado State. That's still a lot of travel. It's so, a good visual. Good visual. Yeah, this is so this is all the big schools. These are all the big boys for football. Where you know the, the finances for that would be just tough. So not making excuses. I'd love to see the Bison play more FCS or FBS teams every year. Maybe they can now. They're getting a little stroke. So we'll see, but let's be patient. Maybe they might get like three or four other teams to go. We'll see how that's all handling out. Is uh is James Madison moving up then also? Yes. They'll be moving up next year or two, and they're down in the Florida area there, so there's plenty of room for them down there. Yeah. So let's start some other stuff here. Brandon Motorsports was informed Tuesday night that the LBGcoin.io sponsorship is not approved to be used for Brandon Brown's number 86 Chevrolet and NASCAR's Xfinity Series. Brandon Brown's the guy who was getting interviewed after a race. The crowd was chanting their displeasure for the president. And the reporter says, oh, look, they're saying, let's go, Brandon. He was really kind of embarrassed by that. I think people had told him, run with it, man. That's how we know you now. So the decision became official. And they returned after holiday break. Um, However, NASCAR spokesman told Racer the submission from the team, which was sent on Christmas Day, was not done through the appropriate portal and was incorrectly approved without proper understanding of the LGB coin. Uh. Additionally, the sponsor's submission will also not clearly define. NASCAR did not use a formal statement on the decision. So they're just using excuses to get away from it. I think it's if – if I was NASCAR, I'd go with it, have fun with it. Give them a one-year thing on it or let them do it for a couple races, especially on, like, 4th of July. 
you know, stuff like that. Have fun with it. But again, my 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 feathers aren't ruffled by the name of it. I, I think it's kind of funny. Like them or not, it's kind of funny the way the announcer had to change it. So go with it. Uh, the Mets. Buck Showalter is going after Joey Cora to try to be a third base coach from the Pirates. Reports are coming out that Joey Cora is from the same hometown, some area down south as Francisco Lindor of the Mets. And Lindor grew up idolizing Joey Cora. So did Buck Showalter know this when he picked his coaching staffs or not? Buck Showalter is smarter than you think. He's going to pick these coaching staffs. He's trying to get Curtis Granderson in. Um, he's trying to get a hitting coach from the Yankees over. So he's picking and choosing. Now, none of these are official because of the lockout right now. So uh, there's a lot of these names you hear popping up from other teams going to coaches and this and that. They're all, yeah, sure, I'll do it. We'll sign when the lockout's over. I mean, they could talk. They just can't sign anything from what I understand. So reported Jory Cora will be there with Buck Walter. And I think Buck's only going to manage for a couple, three years. So it's going to be Cora's team to take over after that. Yeah. From our friends out in Seattle on King 5, father faces assault charges for allegedly injuring a ref. Okay, first of all, it's on video and you see it happen at how the word <laughs> allegedly comes in. That's always confused me. Um, Kenmore, Washington. The father, okay, listen to some of this information and let it kind of go in. The father of a middle school student, middle school, so that's like sixth, seventh, eighth grade, is facing second degree assault after allegedly pushing a referee to the ground during a basketball game. Mark McLaughlin pleaded not guilty to the charges. You know, the charges of you on videotape pushing a guy? Yeah, he said not guilty. The game happened December 16th when McLaughlin's eighth grade son intentionally fouls another player, causing a skirmish on the court, according to the charging documents. One referee wanted to break up the skirmish. McLaughlin's son is knocked to the ground, according to documents. That referee can be seen on video helping the boy up. Another referee was standing in the middle of the skirmish when McLaughlin went barreling down onto the court and rammed into, quote, quote, rammed into him. According to charging documents, the referee hit the floor face first, breaking his nose and cheekbone. The police reports noted several, quote, unquote, parents had both, had both schools called 911. Sorry, I don't understand. Had both had called the schools to tell them, what had happened? It took an hour and a half for the referee's nose to stop bleeding. An hour and a half. Bill was set at 20K based on the likelihood that the defendant may commit violent again. So this guy in a middle school game. Okay, your kid intentionally follows. That happens. When the ref went over, they're little kids. I'm sure he's big enough. Knocked him over accidentally. He picked him up. I don't see a harm in that. He didn't like push the kid down, I'm sure. But for dad to come down, barreling down, pushing a guy so hard he hits the ground and breaks his nose and cheek. Most of these refs are for middle school or volunteer. Or if they get paid, it's very little. Um, I know the refing I did at this age 
I coached the girls team. So I ref the boys game and then coach for the girls team. I don't know if that's what happened here, but really it took it a little too far there, dad. And, um, relax. It's middle school basketball for crying's sake. Coach Gino at UConn, our favorite basketball team that's not named the Gophers in college sports, um, has had issues with Muffet McGraw. She's the former coach at Notre Dame. They've had uh, words. Muffet appeared to have touched a nerve. A few weeks ago, after she retired from Notre Dame, the head coach complained ESPN being supposedly biased towards Connecticut. Really? ESPN picking just a team that wins all the time to show all the time. Not really breaking news on that one. McGraw made her comment on the off the looking glass podcast. Um, what she says, absolutely said McGraw who retired in 2020 season and now works as an analyst for the ACC network, which is owned by ESPN. UConn has done great things and they've won. They've won way more than anyone else except Tennessee. What they've done has been amazing. I think people measure them by measure their team by them. When we joined the Big East, we were like, we want to be, we want to get to where they are. But I think it goes over the top with ESPN that it's Connecticut's network. Notre Dame has NBC, Connecticut has ESPN. ESPN. There's obviously complete bias there. Yeah, Muffet, you're not really saying something we haven't heard already. Um, ESPN is known for wanting to play the champions all the time. We've said it during baseball season. So the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Yankees against the Red Sox. Um, they're scheduling. They always try to get the champion games on there for their Monday nights. That's part of business. You pay that kind of money for the games, you're going to get them. You want your woman's game to grow. You have to show the champions that people know to get this, the ratings in to start with. But, uh, Gino was not going to be uh, taking this lightly. Coach Gino, you got to love him. After some of the tweets that came out, he goes, uh, uh, what was one thing? He goes, Gino has twice said how Sesame Street taught him how numbers work, and he wasn't sure McGraw thought that. So he uh, basically called it all going too bad, and uh, I kind of agree. I'm not, I'm not saying that because I'm a UConn fan. I'm just saying that's ESPN's way. Uh, don't blame him for ESPN playing him. He's not calling there and asking to be put on. We talked about a while ago how minor league baseball was underpaying everybody, players and stuff, and how, uh, oh, they finally will start doing some things for teams here and there to help them get whatever uh, rooms and that. But really, you're underpaying minor league players. Well, Former Iowa Cubs owner was swinging for the fences with a gift for the team. Eight, uh, Gardner, 83, was chairman and principal owner of the team for 22 years. When the team sale was finalized on December 28, he called together all the people who worked in the organization. So I'm taking that to be front office people, staff people, not players. Gardner then told the assembled staff that envelopes he had been handing them uh, containing their new business cards. Instead, each staffer received a check for $2,000 for each year they worked for the minor league team. Uh, some people built the year 20, 30, 20, 30 years for that team. So this guy forked out all this cake 
but couldn't afford to pay his players. Um, that's no different than the pros, as it is in the minors. Glad to see it works all the way down the line there. Ken Rosenthal, uh, besides Dan and I and Tom Ball Tuesday, the most knowledgeable man in baseball, Ken Rosenthal has been fired by Major League Baseball Network due to his criticism of Rob Manford. I, again, I like Ken Rosenthal, but I get why they had to do this. You go around your job the whole time and rip on the boss and the owner, they're going to fire you too. Yeah, Rosenthal's a reporter. That's part of his job. I mean, he still has his job at Fox. He's still at the Atlantic. You can still follow him on Twitter. It's still great, but he would have missed the MLB because I, I liked him on there. He kind of kept things cool, but just gives him more time to work on Fox now. The Australian Open, uh, tennis. Yeah, we're talking tennis. And, of course, that because of the tennis. Nokovic, uh, the guy who won it last year, He's been uh, not a fan of the COVID stuff. He hasn't. He's no shots. He's filed legal protests. There's court cases going on right now for him to keep playing. The reason I'm saying this, and I'm not picking his side or against it, not that at all. It's when the old school guys get involved. Um, Jimmy, Con- Jimmy Connors, guy that I grew up with watching. I always thought he was the calm one between him and McEnroe. Um, I've changed the spelling on a couple of these things from a tweet Jimmy Connors put up. Jimmy Connors said on his Twitter page, okay, we all have a choice between COVID and boosters. He had COVID. Don't (coughs) F up the Australian Open without the quote-unquote best player. If he tests negative, should let him play. He's won nine effing times. Come on, Australian (laughs) Open. Be loyal to your event. So Jimmy Connors has got it all upset here. So that's kind of a uh, – I can see McEnroe putting this one up, but not Connors. So um, say what you will, the Australian Open, we're getting some media play right now. If you hear what's going on with them, this is why you see them on your local news feeds. All right, go back to what we do here best. High school sports, boys hockey, their rankings from January 2nd through 9th from Minnesota Hockey TV. Andover and 2A, Andover's first, Rosso and Edina are your top three. As I'm moving around there, too, if you look at last week, they were 3-5-2, and two, now they're 1-2-3. Lakeville South drops from 1-5. to five. Boys, A, well, it looks like top five are still the same. Hermantown, War Road, Little Falls, Miami Eye, and Delano. Duluth-Denfield jumps up from 9-6. to six. Girls 2A, Taka moves up to number three, from number three to number two. And then many dining kind of switch places there. Um, the rest of the kind of the same, a little bumping around. Class A for the girls, War Road and Orono remain top two. Hermantown moves up to num- from six to three. Mound West Honka drops. One thing, I, girls basketball, before we get into that here, I don't have it up. Um, I did not put the stat on here. I apologize for that. I read it yesterday, and I wanted to save it, and I did not save it in time. Let me check my notes here real quick if I still got it. Um, where is it? Da, 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 da. I'm not finding it offhand here. Um, 
nationally at ESPN for girls' rankings, and we'll get to it as we go through here, Hopkins and Minnetonka are both in the top 25 nationally on ESPN mm. charts. So, And Buffalo had to play both of them next week. So sorry about that. Here is 4A, girls. Hopkins, Tonka, Chaska are your top three, followed by Eam Prairie, Wyzetta, and St. Michael Elberville. 3A, these are all up January 5th for the girls. Austin, Becker, and Academy of Holy Angels are your top three. Um, there's Vanilla at six. Still, you know, they're always up there in the middle of the pack. Now, De La Salle at two and three is eight. Now, I, don't, I didn't look at their schedule, who they played. But they've got five games in. Some of these other schools have 10, 12 games in. So let's kind of give that the benefit of the doubt there. Class 2A, the academies are up first. Minnehaha and Providence, 1-2. Holy Family at 7th. New London Spicer debuting at 8. And in 1A, Mount Iron Bowl, 1. Mayor Lutheran, our friends, Chris Gustin and team at number 2. Coach Gustin. Sleepy Eye St. Mary's, 3. And Sleepy Eye 7, so big battle down there in town. Boys hoops. These are as of the 29th. Their new numbers, I think, come out tomorrow. So pardon me for teams that won and lost on here. But Park Center, Shakopee, Wyzetta, and Tonka are your top four. Hopkins at seven. 3A is Tatina Grace, De La Salle, South St. Paul, and Alec. Um, that's kind of a Tatina Grace and De La Salle kind of steady up there all the time. 2A, North. Minneapolis North, Minnehaha Academy, Caledonia. Albany at seven. And then there is Sleepy Eye St. Mary's at one for the boys. Um, New York Mills coming in at eighth. As of the 23rd for the website, the guillotine, here is the boys wrestling. There is no team for girls. The girls are wrestling. The Rollis is individual. Um, you can find them on the same website for the guillotine. To look those up, but here are the A, AA, and AAA. Top three for A, Belgrade, two, Jackson County, three, Kimball. AA, Simile, Casson, and Becker. Watertown Mayor at 10. And AAA, St. McAlberville, Waconia, and Shockbee. The Midget at six. Watch that Waconia team. They they got some studs. I'm going to be uh, doing a report on them next month in February. Ah. Going to uh, a, a tournament uh, and and checking them out and providing the answers on a uh, midweek episode. The Wakanda nice. wrestling team, very good. Um, yeah, had some big boys there. Wow. Gophers, we're going to touch just Gopher College here. Kind of gone long on some other topics after the two weeks off for the holidays. Kind of stuff we caught up on, but we'll hit the Gophers. Get back to covering everybody next week. Men's hockey are twelve and eight right now. Uh, Took two from Michigan State over the weekend. They got two against Alaska coming up. These are makeup games from earlier, the first two games of the year. And as you see, the Gophers are currently ranked ninth in the polls. With these two wins, they might be moving up a little bit. The Lady Gophers uh, took care of the business of St. Thomas. They're sitting fourth right now in the polls. And uh, they got Minnesota State and a home-and-home home coming up this weekend. Boys basketball took a couple on the chin, Illinois and Indiana this week. Um, then they go Michigan State, Iowa, 
they're in the also receiving votes category, but after these two losses, they probably won't receive any votes anymore. Hmm. And the ladies are eight and eight. They've uh, had a tough loss today at Maryland, but Maryland's top ten team. So um, they only lose by six by fifteen there, or I'm sorry, fourteen. That's not bad. They did beat Rutgers earlier, but they're eight and eight on the year. We'll see. We'll hope they can make noise in the tournament. Team USA Hockey. Um, the pros aren't going for hockey, but they did announce some other players. So here's for Team USA men's team. A few names to note on here. Ben Myers, for, forward from Minnesota. Currently undrafted. He's out from the Delano out here. Um, defense, Drew Hellison. Uh, that, that's family to me. That's uh, the wife's cousin's boy. We've mentioned him before, uh, Boston College. Not sure jersey numbers are going to have, but listen for those names because uh, you hear us talking them up a lot because that's what we do. We talk about family and friends on here too. So listen for those names. Oddly enough, I see they only took one goalie. That always scares me when you only take one goalie. You're going to Beijing. This isn't a tournament across town. So maybe they'll pick up another goalie before they leave just in case. But that's the men's team. The women's team, which was announced at uh, the hockey day on the first out at Target Field. The women have 23 players. 15 have prior Olympic experience. That's their 15 there. You see some of them. A lot of Minnesota gals, a lot of Wisconsin gals. First-time Olympians. The team has eight first-time Olympians, Olympians including Grace, Grace Zwenko from Excelsior, Minnesota, current gopher. And you see the name on there, Savannah Harmon from Downers Grove, Illinois. I saw that name, Downers Grove, and that or who else do I know from Donner's Grove? I had to look it up. That's the same hometown as Randy Macho Man Savage. Nice. <laughs> so that's where I heard that one from. Awesome. Uh, the Collegians, all 23 athletes on Team USA for the girls, have either played, currently play, or are committed to play NCAA hockey. U of, University of Minnesota leads the way with eight reps. Wisconsin has five. Boston College, three. Northeastern University, two. And one each from Boston, Clarkson, Linwood University, The Ohio State University, and the Bulldogs. Some concert stuff. Again, if you ever need tickets, you head down to Ridgemont Mall and you find Mike. Mike DeMone's concert tickets. February events at Medina Entertainment Center. The 5th. February 5th, Winger and George Lynch. The 12th. Firehouse and Sweet. Dan, are you ready for the next one? Yes, please. The Ham's Beer Show, February 19th. Oh, yes. And as you can see there, you can get your picture with the Ham's Bear like Dan and I did last year. We've done that. There we are. Was that two years ago or last year? Two years, I believe. Oh, two years ago. Yeah, and you know what? So was two years ago. The- last year. Was it canceled? Yes. Either that or we were canceled, one of the two. I can't remember. For some reason, we couldn't make it. All right. I'm, I'm writing that down as we speak. <clears throat> Whether you like hams or not. It's a good – if you're into collectibles, it's a lot of collectible stuff. Memorabilia it, stuff is unbelievable. It's all old. They had more than hams there, but it is sponsored by hams. So it's hams beer, hams bear, mostly hams stuff. But you can't find other beer things there. I, I would recommend going to this. Uh, if yeah, you it's a good been, time. And uh, the next day, I believe the 20th is also when the Daytona 500 is. So it's a big redneck weekend. 
Ham's beer and Daytona racing the next day. Doesn't get any better. Target Center concerts coming up, Volbeat and Ghost. Uh, they'll be on February 5th. Tickets are still available through Target Center. Also, Tool coming in concert uh, March 13th at Center of Target. Excel Energy Center, Bon Jovi, April 3rd. Tickets go on sale the 14th. Now, for these tickets between Target Center and XL, please, 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 before you buy tickets, and it's going to change week to week anyway, but check on their what their or recommendations are if you need to have shots or masks or uh, whatever you need to get in. A note from your mom. I don't know. Check what their qualifications are for COVID stuff to get in first before you go buying tickets because it's hard to get rid of them once you buy them, the way things are done right now. So. Please be careful when you do all that stuff. I don't want anyone buying tickets and getting hosed and because because Mike does not take returns for his concert tickets. So you gotta break out the mall. They're yours. Down at the mall. So if you're gonna buy tickets for those shows, and they, they'd all be good shows, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't mind going to myself. But I'm not gonna go down there in a show and be in an arena with ten thousand people and have to wear a mask. That kind of takes away for me going to a concert. I'll show you a shot proof and vaccination proof and a note from my third grade teacher, whatever. But I'm not going to wear a mask to a concert because that's just, that's wrong. In my opinion. Correct. That's another show for another day. We don't cover that stuff here. But that's what I got, sir. What do trivia. you have for a trivia answer? Trivia answer. Uh, the trivia question at the top of the show was, Tomorrow night is the Alabama versus Georgia Bulldog National Collegiate Football Division I title game. Alabama has 13 titles to their resume, I should say. Georgia has only one title, 1980. The question is, how many titles do the Minnesota Golden Gophers have? The answer is four. I, I know back in the day, like the late the 60s, they were a powerhouse. Four titles. You know, that that puts them, Andy, tied for eighth in all-time college football history for most titles. They have four. They, you know, granted, they won back in 36, 1940, 41, 1960. But that's a lot of titles. You don't hear that. And I think today's generation, including us even, I wouldn't yeah. get that at all. Yeah. I, I just know stories from the, the olden days, uh, Leo Namalini and some of the guys. A lot, of, a lot of trips to the uh, Rose Bowl. So used to be Big Ten, Pac-10 champs. It, a lot uh, of Big Ten titles I know they got for football. They were a powerhouse back then. They're not really now, but, boy, it goes to show that back in the day they were uh, put up some big numbers. That's Four titles is tough to do. Once One note I want to bring up that I forgot to bring up earlier. Talk about the buys and going together up to the big time, to the FBS. The Bison's offensive line was nicknamed the Rams. Here's the numbers for their five starters for the Rams on the offensive line. 6'4", okay. 328 pounds. 6'5", 298. 6'6", 281. 6'6", 313. 6'6", 301. The Gophers, starting five. 6'6", 3 and a quarter. 6'5", 310. 6'4", 320. 6'6", 325. 6'9", 380. 
Alabama's 67350, 64305, 63305, 63300, 63324. That's the difference between Division Two and Division One. The the horses are bigger at Division One at the FBS. A little bit bigger. So that's the O line. I mean, the, their team was called the Rams for their offensive line. That was their numbers. They had two guys under 300 pounds. Gophers didn't have another guy under 310. Alabama didn't have anywhere three or five. So the horses are a little bigger, but you know what? If you're playing Division One and you're defending champs, you're going to get the bigger people, the better people. That's what I said before. It'd be tough for them. They're going to make that jump. A, be honest to your recruits. Hey, a couple, three years, we're going to Division One. It might not be pretty. You know, I don't know how that would scare off your recruits. I don't know about you, but me as a player, if I was a player, would you rather ride the bench at Division One football at Notre Dame or at Alabama, ride the bench, or do you want to start the state and win that championship as a starting player, or do you want to win it riding the bench? Well, I think I we'll think find out. There's buys and starters. It's like they'd probably be a bench player, maybe not on Alabama or anything, but they'd probably be a bench player like on the Gophers or Wisconsin or Illinois. I'd rather start if I knew I wasn't going pro. That's me. That's a big a big impact for recruiting, and I think we're finding that we're going to find that that out here in the next couple of years with St. Thomas uh, yep. being so good in sports for so long. Now moving up to D one. And it's going to take a toll because they're not going to be that good. They aren't that good in a lot of, in a lot of sports yeah. that have already started. And now do you want to go to school there, uh, ride the bench or be a starter and get pounded uh, every game and lose or play down where you were before and be very good perennial favorites and come home with rings every year uh, and trophies. It's a good question. It's a fair question too. I and a lot of it says stuff to the school for the academics too. I don't care if I get pounded. They they got a great science degree I want to go for, a great whatever degree I'm going for. That has a lot to do with it too, but let's be honest. Well, these athletes are playing to play because they want to move on. I could move on. I could be that Carson Wentz. I could be that Trey Lance being a starter at the Bison. Would they have been a starter somewhere else and been where they are today if they were on the bench somewhere else? If you believe in yourself, you play to start and see what happens. Good, it's a good question, and it's a valid one. Now, in the NFL, yep. Mr. Uh, Carson Wentz today, they lost, the Colts lost to the Jaguars and got eliminated today. Now, there, now, have you been following the Jags this week, though, what was going on? No. The media and the fans, there was going to be a what they were call a clown out down in Jacksonville. They're going to all start dressing as clowns pretty soon. They're not happy with what Con family is doing down there, spending some money. Let's get some players down here. I think Trevor Lawrence finally got his – first of all, their coaching was a disaster the first half of the year for Jacksonville. Yep. Let's be honest. Um, I think if they get a decent coach in, then go somewhere. I don't want to stir the pot. I'm going to throw this against the fancy sticks. As much as he says he loves staying in college where he is, you write a check big enough, Jim Harbaugh will come down to Jacksonville and be your coach. Correct. And I would like to see Jim Harbaugh down there because Trevor Lawrence is still young. He works great with the young quarterbacks. He did in San Francisco when they were young, when he had uh, Kaepernick when he was young. He worked with him, the young quarterbacks in Michigan he's worked with. I think Harbaugh would be awesome down there. 
Um, maybe I, I can't remember her name, but Harbaugh is the first one I, I think of right now. He really Michigan was not ranked in the top twenty-five going into the season, and they make the Final Four for basketball or for football. So, with that being said, he just padded his resume huge. Yes, if he goes pro, Khan's got the checkbook. Write it, get Harbaugh down there. A little bit interesting. So the Colts are out. Uh, San Francisco 49ers won in overtime. They're in. and uh, It'll be good. This next weekend is, is wild card weekend. That'll be fun. Now to the NFL, Vikings won today. But didn't make the playoffs. They're out. They're eliminated. They will get the number 14 draft pick overall in April's NFL draft. 14th pick. Middle of the road, whatever. Big news in the NFL this this week. Off the field was Antonio Brown, Andy. He, he's done it before. He's always on, yeah. on the news for wild, crazy behavior. Uh, he Except said he's gotten treatment. Most of his time with Pittsburgh, he wasn't. Most of the time in Pittsburgh, he wasn't because Tomlin kept him under his thumb. Last yes. couple of years, he got bad, but, yeah. So now uh, he's been in trouble with multiple issues. Goes to Tampa Bay. Basically, they said it's a zero-tolerance situation. We'll bring you here. Tom Brady bout brought him there. They won a Super Bowl last year. Well, now uh, Brown's having a pretty good pretty good year, but has off and on injured. This last Sunday, re-aggravated something with his ankle or leg. They asked him to go in. He said, no, I don't want to go in. I can't play. I can't play on the field with my current condition. The coach says, you're cut. You're out. Please leave the stadium right now. So, of course, Antonio Brown does. Follows directions. But in his own way, he throws off his equipment. throws yeah, has off, a hissy fit. Does jumping jacks. Takes everything off. He's naked on top, right? Yep. Got his pants on, and he runs off. Just just flamboyant, wild. The, the crowd's loving it. They cheer, whatever. We find out later that Bruce Arians, the coach, basically cut him right there. He didn't want to go in, didn't want to play. He says, you, you've got to go in. You're cut. He, knee-jerk reaction goes off the handle, leaves. So the question is, is Antonio Brown a nutcase mental job? I, I don't know. A lot of people think that he is. But does the coach, head coach, he doesn't have the power to make cuts during the game, does he not? That's a general manager or an owner move. Can Bruce Arians – cut someone on the field during a game, he doesn't have that authority, I don't believe. First of all, for I don't think he does either, but for Antonio Brown to believe him thinking he does and reacting that way, that's on Antonio Brown. So He's going to flip Darius the bird and said, no, my ankle hurts. I'm going to go sit in the portable fish house over here or the injury yeah. tent and have them tell me it's hurt. Or, or, or just do what most prima donnas do. Go throw him on play, take two steps, and just fall to the ground and hold your ankle and get cut it off. So we saw him dancing in the end zone. He didn't look like an ankle injury at all to me. He was dancing around, doing jumping jacks, waving the crowd. Didn't look to me like he was injured. Now, maybe he wasn't qualified enough as an injury to play in the NFL football game, but Antonio Brown is a talented player as he is. 80% is still better than most most players. So he's got to be just fine. I don't know what the story was. I don't know what the scoop was, but – does Arians have a right or have a chance? Can he even do it? 
So the very next day, folks were looking the waiver wire. Is he, is he listed? Is he listed? Nope. He's still on the roster, still on the roster. So it took until I think Thursday or even Friday of this week. And then he cleared the, the waivers and was on the waiver wire as officially cut. So I think Arians had to, to work with the, the team and the GM and the owner to, to say, what are we going to do? And actually buy, get the buy-in and the agreement to, to actually cut him. So that got to be a very awkward uh, deal. He did appear. Antonio Brown was on the Bob Maneri show this week. Uh, he's a pretty, pretty good listen. If you get a chance to listen to Bob Maneri, he's the comedy guy, the, the, the sports guy who does some good stuff. Uh, well, the, Antonio Brown was in good, good spirits. Uh, well, he was, then he went to he a basketball at, game. Yeah. Monday night, he was at the Nets game courtside. The Nets game and, and sitting courtside. I saw your post. Who does You've got to be crazy to be sitting courtside there. So we don't know what's going to happen with Antonio. Uh, overall career, his numbers, he's in the top 20 in, in almost every category for receiving in the history of NFL. Okay, let me ask you this right there. Which is good. He's a free agent. He wants to try to prove he's a good guy. Does he play in the USFL this summer? See, that's a good question. He would be the perfect candidate to play in the XFL, USFL, Canadian Football League. The National Football League teams are going to be hesitant to bring him on at all, even though he says he's, he's clean, he's cleaned up, he's he's, yep. he's not a head case. Uh, I I think that he could. I mean, I, I don't know. I think he'd be – think of the money that he'd bring into the fantasy uh, teams, the viewers and people who want, who want to watch him. If you're a you know, USFL team, would you sign him just to get the net, just to get put butts on seats and eyes on your team? The USFL owners – have that mindset. Yes. Yep. So they would, they would not think twice about that. XFL, same thing. Yep. That's going to put people in the seats. And, uh, and so maybe that's, that's the deal, but who knows what, what took place there, what happened, but Antonio Brown, he was on the cover of Madden on one cover episode uh, of the, of the, yes. yep. very talented guy. Yes. He's got issues. Yes. Who knows what's going on? He doesn't, he, he has issues. Certainly, He's a drum to a different drummer, right? He certainly certainly does that. But his issues in Pittsburgh were a couple times after the game, had his cell phone out recording post game meetings and salt locker stuff. That's what he was doing. He was putting on uh, his Instagram and Twitter. Then it's like, dude, really? You know. So that, that's where Brown's a different a different cat. But what he is is polarizing. People like the guy, hate the guy. There's not a lot of middle ground with Mister A. B. But uh, We'll see where he ends up here with going on. The tournament, like I said, the, the NFL playoffs begin here Saturday, Sunday. I think they're going with a Monday here for the first time. And Monday. They have a Monday game for wild Monday, cards. Monday. So six wild card games, yeah. Uh, that's all I've got, I believe, for sports. UConn, UConn basketball. I forgot to mention this with Gino uh, earlier. They've been – the UConn women's basketball team has been ranked in the top ten. Every week they do the rankings every week. Yep. Going back to 2005, they have been in the top 10. So we know ESPN is based in Bristol, Connecticut. Yes, ESPN loves UConn. Uh, if you, if ESPN was based here in Minnesota for hockey, all we'd be hearing about is Golden Gopher hockey. Yep. And it's good. So they'd have the same kind of a thing. They love UConn. That's, that's a fact. But UConn's good. Top 10 preseason rankings, end of the season rankings. Every week during the rankings from 2005, until a couple of weeks ago, they dropped to 11. I think right now they're 11th or 12th in the nation. Yeah, right for the holidays. Which is still good. Yeah. yeah. Not the first time they dropped out 
was this year going back to 2005. Now that is what I call, there's your dynasty right there. Yep. Yep. That's all I've got for sports, my friend. I just want to trickle back to Mike Tomlin there. 15 years as head coach, every year been 500 or better. Rosselberger, apparently his last year, gets his team in the playoffs one more one more ride. You say Tomlin, hey, he's coaching the 500 or better. Ben's been there all the time when it was not cutting injuries for a few years. That just pumps up. Ben's just quietly going to go into the Hall of Fame first ballot, I think. You look at his numbers, what he's done, two Super Bowls, this and that, winning record. You forget about that because you talk about Tomlin's record, Tomlin's record. Okay, Big Ben got you those numbers too for a majority of them. 95% of those wins are him. You know, and look all the players he's had, he's put through there. Okay, oh yeah, Heinz Ward was Hall of Fame, but he was kind of there for Tomlin. But besides Ben, Name another real superstar that's been there. It's been a pure team effort with Tomlin. You don't see that with teams a lot anymore. Agree with that. So, and and former former Viking defensive coach Mike Tomlin, I should say. Yes, very good. I like him. Tomlin's always been a good guy. Yep. The Steelers tonight are uh, sitting back watching this Sunday night game, and. uh, Following whoever wins or loses, the Steelers will back into that last spot as a wild card. But yeah. there's only one exception. If the game ends in a tie, they don't make the playoffs at all. Yeah, so then if you kill them, yep. Uh, it'll be an interesting situation. Uh, I'm going to go into my album review, but if you want to take a, take tabs on that game, I'd like to see the score on that, Andy. I'll, I'll, do, I'll put uh, Kevin from my intern up on. Intern. That up. All right, we'll move into a little – Album review. Album review this week. Is, Christmas present? Uh, no, I got it. I got this uh, album a couple weeks ago. It just came out this year. It came out October 29th. It's Jerry Cantrell's solo album, Brighton, that came out. I'll be reviewing this here today. It's album uh, Brighton. Jerry Cantrell, longtime Allison Chains uh, guitarist and vocalist. This is his third studio album. And I'm going to read a couple of reviews here that I've heard about this. It's, it's very interesting. It's so new. There's not a, a Wikipedia page. There's not a lot of stats on this new album, but I've been just listening to it, this a lot. Uh, it's the first solo album that he's done in nearly 20 years. But this album marks a stylistic departure, defying listener expectations while also featuring a range of notable musicians. So once again, solo album, he's got to bring in his own guys to do this album. He brings in, Guns N' Roses bassist Duff McKagan, another former Seattle guy, producer and guitarist Tyler Bates, Dillinger Escape Plan singer uh, Greg Pucchiato, and longtime Paul McCartney drummer Abe Laboreal Jr. Uh, appears on this album. So they bring in some good, uh, good artists here. Opening with the initial single released earlier this year, Brighton kicks off on one of the strongest notes. Layered acoustic and electric guitars are accented with the twang of a slide guitar weaving its way through the song while Cantrell's signature distorted wah pedal uh, muddies the waters with a sludgy appearance in the chorus. Sludgy, once again, this has got some grunge to it. Far from an odyssey, the song A Tone 
is a beautiful haunted sonic wasteland of dystopic proportions for Cantrell's song writing and emotional reflections to sprawl about a sophisticated and dense manner with the dark energy to it, giving the song a sense of emotional weight and Cantrell's stirring vocals. A tone is a masterpiece of songwriting. Now, that's a good quote right there, a good para- a paragraph. This song is not what we... Uh, I like to look at some of these solo artists, uh, solo works, uh, you know, some Ace, Ace Fraley, I think of some of the Stanley work, Gene Simmons work that they've done on solo records. Um, Kiss, uh, a notch a notch below average. They're fun to listen to. Got some good songs, a bunch of throwaway songs. This is completely different. Gary Cantrell's here. This is a masterpiece uh, work here on some of these. Some of these songs. There's already three music videos out there for these. If you do a search on them, you can get them. Uh, here's a songs, song listing. A song one, a tone. Deals with, once again, this uh, Seattle grunge they're all, these guys refuse to go to therapy classes and do all their <laughs> inner, inner thinking, getting them out on paper on lyrics. Uh, very heavy personal stuff. Gary Cantrell's dealt with a lot of stuff. This song's talking about how can he possibly try to atone for the sins of the past. The song is called Atone. Song two is Brighton. Trying to get to that next uh, less, less dark phase of his life to brighten it. Song three is Living in a Prism of Doubt. It's called Prism of Doubt. Once again, very uh, dark lyrics here. Song four is Black Hearts and Evil Done. Talks about, once again, things he's done in the past. It's a former addict, come clean, still dealing with things. And uh, Siren Song is song five. Relates to an old uh, female flame. Song six, Had to Know. It's a song about heroin addiction and getting into it. And then at the, the lyrics talk about had to know. And I think this is uh, Lane Staley. For uh, a beginning addict always has to know what's in the ingredients. Uh, what's in this? What am I going to get out of it? I, you have to know. You had to know. And I think this was directly related to Lane Staley back in the day of first learning and introducing guys how to shooting up heroin is what I think the song is about. You had to know. All the details of what I need, what I need, what's the ingredients, what's my high, how long do I take before I come down? You need to know all the details. Well, at the end of the lyrics, he talks about, you also had to know the repercussions of this. Don't come back acting surprised when you're addicted. When you're going into this, you have to know. That's a very good song. Song seven, Nobody Breaks You. Song eight is Dismembered. Now, it's not a gruesome, they're talking about his lyrics on the song Dismembered is, uh, is his head really attached. He doesn't seem to be making sense. Nothing, no, nothing makes sense. People constantly asking him as his head screwed on straight. He wonders, is he dismembered? It's kind of a comedy. And they close off with a, a short song, only one minute long, called Goodbye. But uh, as a whole, Brighton is surprisingly and largely free of any riffs. There's no solos. There's no guitar solos on this song. It's perhaps the strongest statement of the stylistic and creative departure that Cantrell has embarked on with the writing of this album. Rather than riffs and solos, the songwriting standards strong at the forefront of the album. Songs like the title track, I Had to Know, Siren Song, Stand Alone, as a reminder to Cantrell's grunge roots. 
the latter of which, which feels reminiscent to Alice in Chains' album Down in a Hole. While much of Brighton connects more with the singer-songwriter vibe, the sub, sub, subtleties of just Cantrell and an acoustic guitar and a song called Black Hearts and Evil Done is something to behold. While the song Nobody Breaks You and Dismembered bring an alternative flair to country, he's got some country songs on this, Andy. That's what I heard, yeah. A country flair. It's it's done pretty pretty good. And he ends with the song, The Somber Goodbye, brings Mighton Brighton album to a thoughtful and quiet close. Uh, this this review says Cantrell shines on his latest solo el- outing, a record that, while not his debut, feels like a new chapter in his esteemed career. Cantrell sounds revitalized through the creative experiment that Brighton has allotted him, and that is perhaps the greatest departure from the worlds of grunge, hard rock, and metal. Trading in riffs for lush melodies and harmonic progressions, Brighton is a reflective album with simple yet brilliant songwriting at its core. This is a, a very personal album, I think. It's, once again, it's, it's a therapy that I think Cantrell has done. His vocals are unbelievable how he's transgressed over the years to be a, a great vocalist. But I like this. Uh, he's going to be touring uh, March, April, and May this year in the U.S. His first tour kicks off St. Paul, March 24th. Um, and he also, with our Allison Chains, have a connection to Minneapolis, so he picked the yeah, opening yep. day as as St. Paul, Minnesota, at the uh, not the Fitzgerald Theater, but theater, but what it's called. They're opening March twenty fourth. He's kicking off his tour. This would be a good situation to to see. So I've been having this in heavy rotation in my CD player, but uh, I would encourage you to get the uh, Cantrell stuff. Once again, cl- clean, sober guy, but all the stuff that he's been dealing with over the decades. Uh, comes out in a song that I don't believe these guys receive any therapy at all. They're all psychological therapy sessions. These songs, it it's, it's unreal. They deal with some deep personal stuff, but that's, that's the way Cantrell gets it out. And I recommend it. Anyway. All right. One, the colors I want to bring up, um, one thing over the holiday break, one of my uh, page two episodes I did, I kind of want to get your opinion on this. You know, in college basketball, they always have their preseason tournaments. So you got good matchups, you know, Michigan State against Kentucky and stuff like that. And he's, what was if college football did that hell of a bowl game at the beginning of the year? Because no one plays them. No one watches them. No one watches the Totitos, the make the right, whatever bowl game the Gophers were in. Because you're doing other things on Saturdays at that time of year. You're Christmas shopping. You got company parties to go to, this, that, the other thing. So move the bowl games to the beginning of the year. Get people's interest in it right off the bat. That's not a Based bad. Off last year's record. So base it off who you would have played. Still have your neutral sites like you're doing now. But just do it to start the year. Instead of the end of the year and they're like, oh, I'm not going to play. I'm going for the draft. I don't, I'm kind of hurt, really don't want to play. These companies are shelling out money for this stuff. Move. Keep the championship bowl games at the end. Maybe you can expand your playoffs now at the end because you moved all these bowl games to the front end of your season. You're saying move a handful or maybe a dozen up? I'd say move a majority of them. To the majority, front. okay. Yes, everything before Christmas. Maybe some of those around Christmas move up. You know, there's, there's college. 
conference championships down there, you know, matchups down there, Rose Bowl down there, keep them there. College football is known for uh, putting those first couple of uh, handful of games uh, for each team. It's pretty soft schedule for each of them. It doesn't yep. rouse up much interest. And that would be a way to, to get things uh, yep. kind of kicked into high gear. Yeah. I like it. Uh, Raiders are up 17-14 at half. Okay. Remember, a team has to win the Steelers to advance. If there's a tie, the Steelers' season is done. And that would be kind of ironic because Roethlisberger a few years ago, there was a game ended in a tie. He didn't know what the overtime rules were. He didn't think they still had ties in football. And he's been like in three in the last five years or whatever. And to have a tie be ending his career, I think, would be kind of funny. Yeah, it is. It's it's goofy. But uh, the playoffs will be starting. We'll do some uh, previews next week. Yeah. Uh, on the NFL wildcard a weekend. That's, that's always fun. It's always now fun. the games will there'll be a couple games in before we do our show. So watch our Facebook page and Twitter. You'll see our picks probably come out Thursday sometime. Yeah. Thursday sounds about right. All right. Sounds good. Anything more from you, Andy? Uh, no, no, that's it. Uh, like share, subscribe on all of our social media formats. Dan's got his show roughly on Wednesdays on YouTube. Uh, I got stuff on Instagram and midweek and, Sometimes we put that on our Spotify page too for special video videos there. So check that out. That's all I've got. Have a good week, everybody. See ya. See ya.